Hi and welcome to Dad to an Angel, a podcast I'm starting because um, in January I lost my son just a week before he was supposed to be born. So um, this is a podcast talking about mental health, depression, how to, how, well, rather how I'm trying to get to the next step in my grief. This is my, my, my wife has a diary where she talks to my son and I thought, well, I'm not a big writer, so what should I do? I express myself in other ways. I don't really have somebody to talk to, so what's the best way for me to express how I'm feeling, talking about me as a dad, waiting nine months for my son to arrive. We didn't know it was a son. Um, then the like shock of going in there, them trying to find his heartbeat and like turning around, no, he's dead. And everything that came after that. And I hope that you might have lost somebody close to you. And this could be like, I open, well, no, no, I, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a doctor. I'm just a very sad person who lost my son. Sometimes I have to explain to people when they ask me, how do you feel? I didn't lose a shoe. I didn't lose my shirt. I lost my son. That's the thing. And I'm... <laughs> That might have sounded aggressive, but there's so many people asking me, how do you feel? How does she feel? Why aren't you at work yet? Why why don't you call me as much as you did before? Well, that's why. Because he's not here anymore. The guy, well, the guy, the, the thing that was in the stomach, the, the person who I did everything for. I don't know, it's, it's kind of rambling. I think I'm, I might be going back to the beginning instead. So in this first episode, I'll just like share how it all happened and why I'm here. So last year, about a year ago, we got to know that my wife was pregnant. Well, not wife at that time. Girlfriend for nine years was pregnant. And like exactly a year ago, we told everybody that she's pregnant. And I think she was in the second or third month back then. So we expected him to come the 27th of December was the due date and uh, everything was great i mean every every ultrasound well uh, every ultrasound the, the two that we had were great he was ec- above expectations he had the perfect heart rate his growth was perfect <laughs> perfect 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 um kind of strange uh, to see a year later that everything was perfect. So um, 
we moved out of our old house um, because we'd lived there for, well, a house, apartment in a house. And we'd lived there for seven years. So we thought, well, let's find something else. So in uh, November, I think we found something else, another apartment. And um, we lived there until January. The 11th was the uh, day, because it, it, <laughs> I don't know if there's going to be guys or girls who haven't had uh, the privilege of having their first child or whatever. So when you uh, have your first child, you often will go a couple of days late or a week late. I think we were up to two weeks over the 27th to the 11th, yeah, that's like 14 days, so um, uh, the 11th, we came in at 10 o'clock, I think the time exactly was, um, when we had the time at the hospital, and uh, they were going to start her up, and before you do that, they, they check the heart rate and stuff, and she couldn't find the heart rate, she, she called the doctor, and I, I got, like, scared for a second, and I'm like, no, she she's just a bad um she's not that good so the woman that did our ultrasounds came in to do the same thing and she's like that's really strange so she called the doctor the head surgeon of that department of that hospital and he like tried two three times and he's like she the baby's dead and um even just thinking about it makes me feel really bad because that that moment is like a bl black cloud in my life. I've sat in, in my car going home or like just sitting there and I get this black cloud over me. I mean, this really bad mood. I, I can't really explain it, but it feels really bad. And it's me thinking about that moment. He dropped the thingamajig that he was going to listen to the heart. And he just dropped it. He looked at me and he said, I'm sorry, he's dead. No, um, no, he's dead. And my world broke. It's so hard even thinking about it. Because I had done nothing more than create this child. But I'd, I'd made the vow to become a better person, to be the perfect father for this child. I am 180 centimeters, uh, like 5'11 or whatever in, in inches, and I weigh uh, about... 120 kilos, which is like 240 ounces, pounds or whatever, and I'm a big guy. But I, I started to work out when she told me that she was pregnant. I started Taekwondo, and I, I've stopped drinking as much as I did. I've stopped. I mean, I've, I've tried to become a better person so that my my child can look up to me 
and I can be a hero and not like a, a liar or a cheater or whatever. For all of that to in one second be crushed, that feels really, really bad. Really, really bad. It's unexplainable. So, in, in, in that moment I was, you know, crushed. And my wife, I mean, I'm, I'm talking from my perspective because she doesn't have a podcast, but she has her books and she talks to her psychiatrist and stuff. I don't have anybody. So I have to, I have to have somebody to talk to. Uh, I say, it's, it sounds so strange to talk to air and say that I have to talk to somebody, but I hope somebody understands listening to this. So I was in total shock. I just stood there. And then I see the nurse hugging my wife. And she, I mean, she was terribly sad. I've never heard her scream that way and cry. Um, it broke my heart. And I mean, me losing a child and having my wife just crushed. I mean, you can't. As a man, you're supposed to be the guy, the rock, the, the foundation of the house. You're the one who, <laughs> who keeps everybody safe. And I couldn't do anything about this. And I mean, I even asked the guy, dude, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, I'm positive. And I'm like, shit. So, I mean, after a couple of seconds, I hugged my wife because, like I said, I was in shock. So I hugged her and I kept, I kept having in my arms and me saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I, I couldn't say anything else. I couldn't think anything else because if everything felt like it was my fault. And then comes the shocker, you know. You waited nine months, you expect something. No, you're not going to get it. And then you're like, okay, how's this going to be done? Are they going to do a C-section, operate it out, whatever? No. She had to do a normal, natural birth. That was a shocker. And I'm like, wow, dude, you can't really expect her to. No, she has to do this because the body... It's a very clever thing. So if you have a child, the natural way, next time the body knows what to do. But if you have a C-section, something could go wrong, or even, I mean, there's always a risk with an operation. So, I mean, in, in Sweden you say, either you have the plague or you do this. I mean, we stood there between a, hard, a rock and a hard place. What should we do? So, I mean, in that moment, I understood that my wife is a very, very, very much stronger person than I am. Because she just, she just accepted it. She's like, yeah, okay, let's do this. 
stirred me up. And those pistols started like, after that started like the 16 worst hours of my life. I, I have panic disorder. So like normally I'm really afraid at night that I'm gonna die in my sleep. I know it's stupid. Google panic disorder if you don't understand, but you have stupid thoughts. Um, so that changed for me that night. And I didn't think that it was me, but that it was my wife because she's always been like this healthy, <laughs> vibrant woman. And she's she has this thing she, that she needs to get out very fast. So I'm like, oh, she, you know, every breath she took, then she they gave her the the nas the gas, um, laughing gas. I don't really remember the name. I think it's nas gas. Well, whatever. So they gave her that, and she like slipped with the mask on, and I'm like, hey, dude, <laughs> take the mask off if if you're take it until you feel sleep and then you take it off, okay? And she's like starting to snore with the mask on and stuff. It's really funny thinking about, but at the same time, it's a very depressing part of my life. So she had extremely painful birth uh, because as soon as the, the pain started, when they started her up, her back started to hurt, which is semi-normal, I heard, with pregnancies. Uh, so I had to massage her back. And then it became too much, and because the baby was already the, ba the way that he was, they could give her, like, any type of medication. So they injected her in her spine, they gave her morphine, the gas, I don't know what. She At the end, she was so high. I don't even understand how she could go through that and not be a junkie. But as I said, she's really, really strong. Uh, next morning, we woke up. Uh, I don't even remember how many centimeters it should be, but it was getting along, getting up there. In, in between everything, I'd been talking to my parents, crying, uh, you know, telling everybody in, you know, close family what happened. And so next morning I was standing talking to somebody else that I couldn't get a hold of the first day. And then they called me and it's time. She's ready. And I mean, two hours of pain staking. I mean, it was so hard for her. And I mean, I don't want to be too graphical but this was really hard for me standing there seeing her in this pain screaming her head off uh, yeah hell so he got born um i think he was 56 centimeters and four and a half kilos he was a big guy i mean he was really big. He uh, took after his father in more ways than one. That's also something that broke my heart. Uh, when they took him out, and 
he he just law, lay law there, lay there, whatever. He was just there. He didn't move, not anything. And he kept, you know, um, trying to get the the cake out. The don't remember the name, but the the cake thingy in the stomach which I can't remember the name of, and I just stood there looking at him. He has my hairline, he has my black hair, my brown eyes, well, I, I hope so. You can't see it that, because it takes like a couple of weeks for the eyes to get the color. He had my lips, the things, and it's really hard to you know, nine nine months, you don't, I mean, I hope every person does this, but I mean, you start thinking about the things you want to teach this child. I'm, I'm Swedish and Spanish, so I mean, I want to teach him English, Spanish, Swedish. I want to teach him rock and roll, horror movies, good movies. I want to teach him about technology, computers, smartphones, processing chips, how electricity works, why the railway is so slow. I mean, stuff that a dad, or like, not only a dad, a mom can teach this stuff too. I'm not being sexist. I'm not being sexist, but what I'm thinking about teaching him that I'm good at. And I'm standing there looking at my child, not taking a breath. I hope nobody else, I know that it's going to happen again, but I hope nobody else has to go through that. Because it's, it's really the worst thing that can it's the worst thing anybody could be put through. And I mean, the priest came a couple of hours later and it's like, God only tests, tests, I can't really talk. God only tests his strongest warriors. And I'm like, well, I gotta be a real champ. <laughs> and I mean, for me, I could live with me losing a child. But my wife, who's always been a good person and a nice person, uh, she's a really nice person. <laughs> the things she does for me is like beyond. And not only me, I mean, he, she helps out her uh, will, uh, her grandmother and her family all the time without taking anything in return. I'm not that good. <laughs> like always, like, could you give me the gas money at least? <laughs> but um, if I... Uh, feels like I gave her the bad luck because I'm a black sheep in my family. So that's also something about the progress that you have to live with what happened. And if you're a good person or a bad person, that doesn't really matter in this situation because it's all random. Because two weeks after this happened, 
um, we went to the doctors to have a well, I don't know, a sit down with the doctor, the head chef, head chef, head head doctor. Um, so that abduction. That's not the word. Autopsy is the word of the of of him took two weeks because they they checked every single little thing they did every test they could do from skin and organs and blood and brain you know his like a decimeter three inches or something uh, of papers was what he had in results and I'm like, oh shit, that's a lot of papers. What's wrong with us? So, I mean, he's going through HIV, la la la, everything's good. Well, I mean, negative, if you know what I mean. Where we, You don't have H, the child didn't have HIV, la la la, everything. And he's getting through, well, this test and this test and this test was negative, meaning that the child was f extremely, extremely well uh, nourished or I don't know how to explain it but he he done everything we've done everything right or he's been growing in the right way and then he has one final paper I'm like I'm dying I have cancer or I don't know I'm, I'm sitting there my panic's like taking over and I'm like oh shit I have AIDS I'm going to die and I gave it to my child oh my god and he's like do you know what E. coli is? And like the thing that all the Africans die of, like the Nigerians die of, he's like, yeah, it's a, it's a poop disease. Like, okay, yeah, everybody has E. coli in their system, but it doesn't have, it's not broken out. Like, okay, and I mean, there's a couple of thousand kids a year who who get born with E. coli, but it's not, can well, not contagious, it's not, uh, they're inf well infected, and everybody has it in their system, but some children are born with more of it than others, and they survive, because it's not harmful. And our child had it and died from it. And I'm like, okay, how often does this happen? Well, Maybe 10 in 10 years. Okay. And that made me realize that it's really a random thing. I mean, the randomest of random things. That when it's our time, it's our time. <laughs> I'm, I'm the kind of person who has the panic about my death, so I never want to die, but the truth is that eventually everything will and that's the random thing about the random. You don't know. I, re I really didn't want my son to die. I mean, I think everybody can understand that in some way. I mean, you never want your parents to die, even though they do. You don't want your grandparents to die, even though they do. But no, no parent should ever have to see their kids dead. 
feels like I'm have all these like long, very silent moments, and I I hope that's okay because I want this to be unedited, to be really real because it's the way I feel. If I cry, I cry. If I scream, I scream. If I <laughs> laugh, I laugh. And everything I say, uh, every uh, misspelled, misgrammar, <laughs> spoken word, like the thing I just did, I, I want to leave that in. So, uh, this is the process. I need to just speak, and if anybody listens, that's good. If anybody doesn't listen, that's even better. <laughs> because I think this is going to be... Uh, um, yeah, it's it's gonna be what it is, because this is the way I'm choosing to go through this pain. What happened um, after all of this is that we both got sick leave from work. She, me and my wife, we work as uh, at a factory. I do um, honing. Is the name? Of the thing I do, I round out holes on uh, stuff. My wife is a CNC operator. If you don't know what CNC is, it's a C as in Caesar, and N is in Nicholas, and it's a C is a Caesar. So you can look it up. It's a machine. So uh, we got sick leave for. I got two months, and she got four. All. And then we go, we went to Spain. We took the first flight that we could after all the insurance was done, the ceremony, the, the funeral, the, the paperwork, the doctor's appointment, the moving, because we got this big apartment for $1,000 a month. But what am I going to talk? I mean, I got that apartment because we because we were going to have a child. And as he was no longer living, what was the point? So we got out of that apartment, were homeless, and went to Spain instead. Um, and we were there for 31 or 32 days. We got married in Spain. Woohoo! <laughs> that was a really great day. Woke up super early to get married. Um, so we had the ashes of my son with us in Spain because we were going to uh, spread him on the highest peak of the Canary Islands, Gran Canaria, to be exact. So my my grandmother, she's 87. She's like sitting next to me. And she's like, my my son, yeah. What is it you have in your hand? You know, I have a, like a brown normal uh, shipping box and I'm like this is my son Abuela this is leave or life as we do we named him she's like well I said vida which is the Spanish word for life and she's like she's totally silent looking at the box she takes the box in her hands pushes it up to her lips and kisses him Never forget that your abuela loves you. Never forget that your grandmother loves you, she said. That was a great day. 
Well, great morning. Uh, it really broke her heart too. Because the same day that he died, her sister died. So it was like a twofer. But her sister was 90 or 91. So as I told her, well, I mean, nobody should die. Or anybody, nobody should be happy that anybody dies. But as I told her, your sister has had a really big life and lived a healthy, good life with her husband and her children. And so, I mean, you shouldn't be sad. You should be happy that she could live that. And um, I mean, I'm getting like off topic and just thinking about what I have in my head. So if, if it's really hard to um, to follow along, I'm sorry. This is more for me than anybody else. I mean, I hope it helps somebody in the situation. Uh, I've been going through because it's hard you have all these feelings and you, you just don't want to be sad and you just don't want it to be true you just want to sleep normal you don't want to go to work you don't want to ask answer the question how do you feel now you don't want to have I, I've had three people ask me well how's the child doing and I'm like oh Shit! Didn't didn't they tell you? Hasn't anybody like <laughs> given you the talk? And you have to explain everything all over again. And some people are really oh, really sad. Some people are so shocked they just run away. Some people. Um, I have one guy at my work. He has some kind of disability. I really think I I. I torment, well tormented him, but he, there was such a shock, shock, was such a shock for him when I told him because he was really not expecting me to say that because nobody had told him. So when I told him, his his eyes went like blank and very big. He just looked at me and I, I, I started talking and, yeah, okay, and he just left. I really don't hope I... I mean, you have to be truthful, don't you? I mean, I don't want to say, oh, it's, it's good, and it's not the truth. And then he talks to somebody else a week later, and he's like, what, did he say that? He's lost his child, hasn't he? I don't know. And I've, I've, It's so hard, this thing, because I'm not thinking about my feelings when I'm talking to other people. I'm, I'm, I don't want to make them sad. I'm already sad. It's so hard. But it feels so much better to... to talk about this. Even when nobody's listening. Because I can analyze what I'm saying. And, and like my random speaking and... feel what I'm feeling or... hear what I'm feeling. If, if, if it makes any sense. I've been going on for 30 minutes and I think that's as good as point as any to just leave it as it is and come back maybe in a week, maybe in two weeks, maybe in a month when I feel the urge again to speak out about anything and everything that is
this grief that is the life without my son. I hope you have a very much better time listening to this than I've had uh, having to go through what I did to make this. And if anybody's listening to this point, thank you very much. It means very much to me. <laughs> it really does mean very much to me to have somebody listening to... Well, it's very much my story, extremely. So I hope that you enjoyed any part of this. Um, I think there's some kind of way in Anchor, as I'm, I'm recording this in Anchor. I shouldn't say what I was supposed to say because I'm, I'm recording this in Anchor. So I accept that you don't listen to this in Anchor. But in Anchor, I think there's some kind of commenting thing like YouTube. So you can comment on this um, recording if you want to, and leave me what you thought was the best part about this podcast. Well, or this episode of, of the podcast. Um, thank you so much for listening, and have a really good day, evening, night, hour-long <laughs> ride in your car to or from work, or whatever you're doing. Thank you, and bye. <laughs>